When you become a widow, the heartache can be overwhelming. You feel lost, you feel broken, you feel alone, and sometimes you feel like the pain will never go away. I believe that every widow has the capacity to endure, the power to overcome, and the determination to create a new life filled with meaning and purpose. That's why I wanted to create a show called Widow 180. People tell me they come here for the positivity. They listen to Widow 180, the podcast, to be inspired. They come to Widow 180 to be reminded that they have options, that the pain of loss is not a life sentence. Widow 180 is about turning tragedy, loss, and fear into strength, creativity, and a new passion for life. My mission each week is to arm you with these powerful stories of transformation and knowledge so that you can navigate life after loss. I'm Jen Zwink. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get to the episode. When you become a widow, the heartache can be overwhelming. You feel lost, you feel broken, and sometimes you just feel like the pain will never go away. But I believe that every widow has the capacity to endure, the power to overcome, and the determination to create a new life with meaning and purpose. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Widow 180. Widow 180 is about turning tragedy, loss, and fear into strength, creativity, and a new passion for life. My mission each week is to arm you with these powerful stories of transformation and knowledge so that you can navigate life after loss. I'm Jen Zwink. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get to the episode. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. This week is a very special episode because I am honored to have on my very first male guest on the show, my husband, Doug. Welcome, babe. Hello. I hope you know how special you are to be here today. And I've been wanting to do this show for a while because I wanted to introduce a guy's point of view when it comes to dating a widow and what that was like for you and what concerns came up, if any, and... Since this month on the show, we've been talking all about love and dating again. I thought, who better to have on than you, babe? Happy to be here. <laughs> and I wanted to start off with the story of how we met. And um, so... So you tell it, and then I'll tell what really happened. Okay. <laughs> Here's my version. So we actually met um, when we were teenagers. We were... It was 1992, and it was the summer of 1992, and there was a big youth conference that happened in New Orleans in August, and so my church youth group went to this big um, conference, and then Doug's youth group came down from Michigan, and he lived out, right outside of Ann Arbor, but um, so his, his group came down, and that first, the, so the conference was... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and the very first night of the conference, they had this big gathering that was in the Superdome, and so our church group was walking down the one aisle, and then his church group came down the same aisle, and we met in the middle, and we just started talking, and we just hit it off, and then we spent... That whole weekend hanging out and it was a church thing. So it was innocent and fun. And I think I was 15 and you were 16, something like that. Or so. So anyway, we hung out all, all weekend and then he left on Monday to go back to Michigan. 
And on the plane, he wrote a letter. He decided to write me a letter. I wrote her a letter because I went to find her the last day. She had already checked out of her hotel, and I didn't have much of any other way of getting a hold of her um, except uh, I had her address. So I decided to write a letter on the plane ride home. I had two friends with me, one that was uh, figuratively on my right shoulder, the other one on my left, one telling me, write the letter and send it, the other saying, no, forget her. As the story's told, I wrote the letter and mailed it and eventually heard back from, from Jen. So he wrote me this letter. And then he mailed it to me. But I got the letter. I remember getting the letter. I I remember reading the letter. And I just was thinking that I'm never going to see this guy again. He's going off to college. And he lives in Michigan. And at the time, you know, this is 1992. So I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. Couldn't call him because it was like $2 a minute to call people back then. They didn't have internet. So I just kind of let it go and didn't write back to him. My takeaway from that part of the story is I wasn't worth two bucks. (laughs) So I didn't have two (laughs) dollars. So anyway, I, I had that letter that he wrote to me and I kept that letter And fast forward 25 years, and we've both been through a lot in 25 years. Technically, fast forward 22 or 23 years, because 25 years comes in. It's an important date that we'll get to later. Okay. (laughs) So I had moved, I don't know how many times, I had, my house was in Hurricane Katrina had probably five feet of water in my house. So everything was destroyed. Anyway, I ended up finding that letter. Uh, It was in a box of things that were bills, like house bills that were packed away in storage. And this box, it must have been up in my attic for the hurricane, but found the letter. And this was Yeah, like he said, 22 years later. And I was cleaning up one day and I found this letter and it had my name on it. It said Jennifer. It had a little heart over the eye. That was such a romantic. (laughs) So I, I opened up the letter and I remember sitting down on my bed and reading this letter and it was, uh, I, it was, it was a love letter. It was five pages long and it was really sweet and it was going on and on about love at first sight and all of these really sweet things and at the end of the letter it said um that he loved me and it he signed it love Doug Zwink he put his full name and then he proceeded to tell me where he was going to school. This is my high school. This is my church. This is my address. This is my phone number. Everything where I could possibly find him. It took a lot to fill up five pages, and I'm still convinced that she survived Katrina by using it as a flotation device, but she'll (laughs) she'll never admit to that. So I found this letter, and I, I was sitting on my bed reading this letter, and 
and this was, you know, this was like, what, five, four years after Brent had passed away. And I really hadn't dated anyone or wasn't really ready. And I hadn't thought about it. But there was just something about this letter. And I just said, I remember even saying out loud, I think I said, Oh, my God, somebody loves me. So <laughs> I read the letter. And then um, I looked him up on Facebook because he had his full name on there. So I could find him. And so looked him up on Facebook and I wasn't really great at Facebook, but I figured out how to message him. And so I messaged him and what I said was, Hey, I, I'm sure you don't remember me, but you came down to New Orleans, uh, in 1992, there was a church meeting. And then I said something like, what did I say, babe? I remember reading it and when she had led with, I know you don't remember me, but immediately I thought, oh, Kenner Jen, I remember you now because <laughs> I, I didn't connect the dot until she opened with that phrase. And I don't know what it was, but I just immediately recalled the, oh, Kenner Jen. Yeah, I wrote you a letter. Nice to hear from you <laughs> so, 20 plus years later. <laughs> so, so I messaged him and I just said, I found this letter. It's a love letter from you. Um, that you wrote to me when you were 16. And I, I just thought you might want to see what your 16 year old self was thinking, because it was really sweet. And at the time, I couldn't tell on his Facebook page if he was married, or if he had kids. He just had a picture of Michigan Stadium, I think, and bacon and some other things that I could not tell anything about him. But I had you at bacon, didn't I? You had me at bacon. I, I was sold. I was sold. <laughs> But anyway, so that was kind of, we started talking, um, you asked me for my number and then kind of let off right away with something like, oh, something like that's why I'm single. So then I could tell it was a little, t it was part of the Facebook message. So this was before we even started talking. And then he asked me for my number and then we just started talking for, that was in October, I think, yep. or first week of November. And then it was probably like, I don't know, six weeks later when we actually re-met in person. He was living in Chicago and I was in a, right outside of New Orleans still. So we ended up meeting. And for some reason, I convinced you it was a good idea for you to come visit me in Chicago in December. <laughs> But it was fine. It was good. Cold. It was cold, but it was okay. So yeah, so we, we got together that that first date. I actually, so I bought a plane ticket to go up there and see him because, you know, I, I hadn't seen him in 20 plus years and I, you know, I, I felt like I knew you, but not like, you know, anyway. So got this plane ticket and I literally, I bought my plane ticket to fly up there on Saturday afternoon. And then my flight back was Sunday, like middle of the day. So I wasn't even up there in Chicago for like 24 hours. I had to ask my parents to watch Claire and I had to tell my parents, I'm going on a date, but it's in Chicago and I'm you know, going for 30 hours. <laughs> And I was thinking uh, that she's coming up to visit me as a part of the entire story, which I didn't know yet. Um, she had told me she was living above her parents' garage, um, which in my head, 
living above a, their parents' garage, you can imagine the dots I mentally connected, uh, most of which were inaccurate, but I still connected them. Uh, but she came up to visit me, and I didn't know the whole story, but I knew there was a story there. But I also knew it was her story to tell, and when she was comfortable, that I would um, uh, I would get the rest of it. So uh, down the road, I did. I did well. I did tell you I was living above their garage because I was living above their garage, but I'm sure that story didn't really come across very well. Like, um, <laughs> I was I was living above my parents' garage, and I was 39 years old and trying to start over. And then you come into my life, but it was like, how much do I say too soon? You know, still trying to figure out where I wanted to be and. Anyway, so that's when he came, that's when he came into, into my life and again, again, second time. Um, so yeah, so we really only, we knew each other for four days when we were 15, 16 years old and then reconnected when I was 39 and, um, and then started dating in January or December and then got engaged what, 10 months later, and then got married 10 months later. So it happened, it all happened pretty quickly. But it was all really good, really good and very unexpected and a blessing. But so I wanted to ask you some questions about dating a widow. And how we met was a little different than how a lot of people meet nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. But had you dated a widow before me? Not that I was aware of, no. Okay, so that just never came up. Nope. So what did you think immediately when I told you I was a widow? Like, what was that very first thought that popped into your head? I didn't know what specifically to think because it's not something I'm familiar with myself or by... um close uh, relationship with uh, nobody in my family or anything. So um, I didn't know what to think. I felt a a bit of um, uh, sadness or sympathy, uh, no doubt. But uh, other than that, it was just a a part of what, you know, what made you and your story as it played out on this planet, much like I had a story that played out. And some of the stuff in my story had been great and other things weren't as much as I would have liked uh, by the script, but uh, that's what makes makes us us, I suppose. I would like to invite you to get our latest freebie designed just for you. How to get your life back together after loss, a 10-step checklist. After countless hours of research, interviewing hundreds of widows, and through my own experience with grief, I have compiled this list of the 10 steps you need to take to put your life back together after losing a loved one. It's normal to feel overwhelmed and also normal to not know where to start when it comes to picking up the pieces of your shattered world. Here's where you start. You can get this free 10-step checklist at www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. So you didn't think immediately, wow, this is too much baggage or I don't know if I want to get into this. Like it wasn't like, oh, this might be too much for me to take on kind of thought. No, no. Okay. So no hesitation. 
No, I mean, you know, maybe a younger Doug uh, would have let that define who you were to me. But um, like I had mentioned, if you wrote me back sooner, young Doug probably would have messed it up. So I think it was a blessing that you didn't write me back for a while because uh, young Doug became then less young Doug, uh, experienced and otherwise. Uh, uh, and I think I was able to mentally process and comprehend things in a more effective way than uh, I would have in my early 20s. Okay. So I remember the conversation with you because at first, when we first started talking, we were talking on the phone. Those were all phone conversations um, before we actually met. You, I'm pretty sure you just assumed that I was divorced because you kept bringing up divorce and it was, it was like, I mean, we, we were just getting to know each other. And I was, I was hesitant to tell you what happened with all of the detail of what happened with me because it was very traumatic and it was a very like violent, awful thing that happened for me. And so I felt like that was going to scare you off in some kind of way, which is why it took me so long to tell you that story was because I didn't want to scare you off. And I, I could tell you were holding back something, but it was your story. Uh, I was divorced. I, I guess that was me bringing it up was that my way of trying to uh, tell you that, it, hey, it's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. You can tell me. Um, I'm not uh, uh, holding judgment here uh, on any topic, but um, I just knew that there was something there. Didn't know what it was, and in due time, uh, if our conversations and relationship progressed as I thought it was, it would um, be something that would uh, uh, come up when you were ready. So it didn't scare you off at all? I'm still here, aren't I? <laughs> I guess I said it the right way. I, I don't know. But do you remember what you said to me when I told you? Like what your response was when I told you? that? Not specifically, but I'm sure you do. I do. What did I, I say? Do. Because it was very important and it was, it yeah. was, you know, are you going to say something really awkward or are you going to try and make a joke out of something? You know, like people don't know how to react or what to say. And that was, I was really what did I say? happy with what you said. You said, I don't know exactly what you said, but you said something like, wow, you've lived more lives than we're supposed to or something like something along those lines like it was it was a good answer babe gotcha okay <laughs> it was a good answer <clears throat> i think i think the sentiment there was i didn't really know what to say but i know that nobody that uh nobody should have to live through something like that once uh on this planet let alone um uh, any other variation of that so yeah so I, I know I keep asking you about like the concerns that you had or like fears that you had in in dating a widow or any thoughts about whatever because because there are a lot of men that are not as emotionally mature as you, babe. <laughs> and they get very insecure with themselves when if I were to talk about Brent or if I have pictures of him around or there's like jealousy that comes into play and 
mature emotionally or otherwise is usually not a word that's used to describe me. <laughs> I just want to say that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I mean, you had you had some pictures up and in your bedroom um, when I did come down to visit and uh, I saw him and at some point down the road, I chatted with you about it because that, that really, I didn't love sitting there having a picture stare at me, um, of someone I didn't know. And just the context, it was just, it was, that, that was probably the thing that weirded me out the most. And maybe that's a little bit strong of a way to say that, but, um, the, the, the pictures were in, you know, I, I felt that and we had a conversation about it. I didn't sit on my hands and not say anything and just kind of take it. I I felt like, well, this is something that I'm feeling and thinking we should at least put the cards on the table face up and see where this see where this goes. I know, and I remember that I I remember that specific moment too, like cuz we were both we were sitting on the sofa, we were watching a movie and I kind of looked up and I saw I saw the pictures and I put myself in your shoes and I made a decision. I I said, I'm pretty sure he's not very comfortable right now. I mean, that was a thought that was going through my head while we were watching that movie. (laughs) Whatever it was, I don't even know. But You were very good at reading the room. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was like, if I were, if this were me, I, I, and I was in your house, that's exactly how I would feel. And I wouldn't want, I didn't want you to be uncomfortable. You know, I don't, because you're a person that I want to have in my life and I'm trying to you know move forward and still keep those memories so it's kind of a balance so I took the pictures and I and I put them in Claire's room so that she could have them I didn't pack them away or anything but I just felt like it was it was the right thing to do because I was thinking of you you know like you need to be comfortable and anyway. Yep, I appreciate it. So that was the only point? That was the only one that you can think, that's the only time that you can think of? That. Yeah, um, as it relates to things that were physically around us in the environment. Uh, the, the other time that I caught myself uh, was say, um, saying words that I would consider a mental, a mental trigger word. Um, in, in, in that, uh, what happened with Brent in particular in just words that, that were related to what happened that were, uh, didn't have much context to them previously, um, than they did now. And I knew that they did for you and for, uh, Claire. So I worked on removing a couple of particular words from my vocabulary. Wait, um, like what? Uh, like the word murder. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a word that's used, um, in everyday conversation, but if you say it's like, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kill that X, Y, Z, whatever, not in a mean spirited way. You can even use those words, kill or murder in a, in a lighthearted spirited way in conversation or just in life. And, um, I know I brought those up a couple of times in different contexts, um, uh, all lighthearted. None of them were mean spirited. But as soon as that, though, one of those two words came out of my mouth, I, like I, I almost froze mentally for a second and had to think about readjusting just because it carried the word carried so much more weight now in my life. 
uh, and certainly in yours than they ever had before. So those, that was, uh, um, the, the only other time where, uh, I felt like there was a little bit of, um, awkwardness or, um, just cause for pause, uh, to, to, to think, um, about, um, what, what I got myself into and what I was involved in now with you and with, with life. Yeah. Did we ever talk about that before? No. With the, no, no. Yeah. Cause that is definitely a word for me that gets me. Yep. Did you ever see me like react to that or anything? I didn't see you cause I wasn't looking at you, but I sensed it. Okay. So whether it was a physical reaction or not, uh, I sensed it and I know that was me, but I think by proxy it was also you. So, yeah, that is definitely one that gets me. So again, way to read the room, babe. <laughs> Um, but for those wit so for those widows that are dating again and then they they run into this issue with a new boyfriend that's jealous, what would you tell that widow? If this boyfriend is, you know, telling her to or asking her, why do you still go to the cemetery? Um, why do you still post things on, on Facebook? And if that weirds him out or, you know, I would say this, if the question along that line is inquisitive in nature to try and understand, those are good questions and should not be perceived negatively. Uh, if they're accusatory in nature, um, then that's that's the type of question that you should consider exiting stage left. Um, so inquisitive, okay. Accusatory, Probably not the person for you, in my opinion, uh, just in general on that topic. Right. Okay, so she, the question then comes up, like, is it her responsibility to have to make him feel comfortable and secure? Or should, or should he just be comfortable and secure? Uh, relationship, two-way street, it's both. Yeah. She should be aware of him, and he should be understanding and make an effort to understand the other side and uh, you you meet somewhere in the middle so it's not all or nothing it's not one person exclusive it's both no doubt okay so on the flip side of that if it's if it's a guy that you're talking to that just started dating a widow what advice do you give him about how to handle things like that like what? Like what if she wear? Like what if she wears her late husband's wedding ring as a necklace, and that's like her go-to piece of jewelry? But that's kind of an in-your-face thing every day. What do you tell the guy that starts dating her? Um, I would ask about it. You know, bring it to the surface. Don't let it be the elephant in the room. Um, if it's there and you're thinking about it, talk about it. Uh, if you ignore it and bury it, and this is this gets into just basic human emotion, uh, that's not healthy. So, um, you know, talk and um, explore and be willing to listen and even more importantly, learn. Um, if, you, if, if, it's, if you're trying to think through, what would I do if that were me? And you're putting yourself in their shoes, um, whichever side of that uh, interaction you're on, um, that's okay. You can do that, but don't displace what you would do and judge that the other person should do the same thing. Uh, talk and listen and try to understand um, uh, where they're coming from and why they do what they do. 
so one other struggle with widows is holding on to their late husband's stuff, like a lot of their stuff, um, or getting rid of it, um, because it's it's closing it's closing the uh, the chapter. Um, if you get rid of everything and it's very hard and you kind of go back and forth with it. And I had a really hard time with this, you know, I remember, I don't remember when it was, but it was, we had been, I think we were even engaged and I still had a storage unit with a bunch of stuff in it and boxes. And I think we were, um, talking about moving in together. I can't remember what it was, but, I still had a bunch of Brent's clothes and I had a bunch of his shoes and things like that, that I just had a really hard time getting rid of. I remember we went to lunch one day and do you remember that day? The day we went to lunch and I was talking about it and I started crying and I was just telling you how ridiculous I know it is that I still have all yeah, of this stuff. Yeah, we were at the sandwich place over yes. in Mandeville Soup and Sandwich. What's the name of that place? I don't remember. It's but... awesome. But <laughs> yes, I actually, I, I do remember that day. It was a really good sandwich. Yeah. But anyway, I was crying. It was a good day, too. (laughs) And I was telling you that I just have a hard time getting rid of this stuff. And I had all this stuff in in storage and how ridiculous it was that I was holding on to this stuff. But And I didn't know why. There was no reason. Didn't I say then, if you need to get a second, like, let's get two? Yeah. Or something along those lines. You, again, it was a really good answer. <laughs> you remember that one? Yes, yeah. Yes. You said, you said, babe, if you want to keep a storage unit for the rest of your life and keep that stuff, then do it. That's what you told me. Yep. Yep. I remember that. And then I loved you even more. Good. <laughs> Hooray for me. <laughs> because you were letting me just deal with things the way that I needed to deal with it. And you weren't trying to force anything on me or, you know, whatever. I just, again, you, it was, it was, you handled that really well. Brief side story on this topic, because it was something that I had thought about, excuse me, as it related, as it related to you. Um, So I'm, I I was divorced when we met, um, re-met, I would say. And uh, I had stuff uh in in my house and one of the top one of the subjects that my ex-wife uh well now ex-wife and and I um uh, went through was uh keeping things and one of some of the things were I had uh some boxes of pictures underneath the bed um amongst other stuff and one of those boxes of pictures had a um a flip book this is when it wasn't digital pictures it was when everything was printed out um back when we met and uh there was a picture book um that had pictures from that trip in it which also had some pictures of you and I in it um and one of the uh, i'll say spirited discussions that my now ex-wife and I had was uh, about those and about having pictures of girls other than her uh in 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 storage or in under the bed whatever and in an effort to try and keep peace and figure things out i had agreed to get rid of uh some of that and it was tough for me it wasn't because it was a picture of you and i per se but i did have it because i did remember fondly writing the letter and all the fun that we had that weekend and uh, eventually i got rid of it 
eventually it didn't solve the problems that we had. We had other challenges that uh, uh, led to it. But I remembered feeling getting rid of that, not feeling awesome about it, but being willing to do it to to show to make effort. And uh, um, that feeling, I can only imagine I, you you would have to extrapolate the emotion tied to that event in my life, uh, ten maybe a hundred fold. Uh, for you and the storage unit stuff. So that's where I could sort of relate, again, not to the degree by any stretch, but I I knew sort of where you were coming from, and I felt like, you know what, if you want to keep that storage unit or get a second one forever, um, you know, far be it for me to criticize because that was not an emotion that I knew that I could comprehend myself directly, but indirectly I could at least try to empathize. It was a really good answer. And that was very, very important to me, the way that you answered that. So good job, babe. Thanks. Good job. (laughs) But I want to switch gears a little bit here because I want to talk some specifics about dating. Because before we met, before we re-met, you did the online dating thing. I didn't didn't do that. (laughs) So I was going to ask your perspective on that and just get your opinion on that because there's a lot of people that I mean that's a a lot of couples meet that way nowadays it's just it's just what you do so but it's scary to get into that and you you know it's it's a whole new world and so I wanted to ask you some questions about that because you were on match.com for a while yep and I know you went on many many dates before me. I went on a right? few. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Chicago for 20 years. So, okay. Yes. So when someone is making up their profile, let's talk about the profile thing, the initial thing that you look for. Um, Pictures. Okay. So <laughs> well, what do you, what do you suggest as far as the pictures, do you think like a professional headshot or like a selfie? Like, let's talk about specifics and what people should be putting out there. So I won't get into specifics, but I'll give you a generalization. Let the pictures be accurate, current, and a reflection of who you are. You want your personality to come out. You don't want to pretend you're somebody you're not. And don't avoid a good looking picture than if you think it's too sexy. Um, but you know, put something up there, put something out there. If that's who you are, if you're more conservative and you don't want that and that's not who you are, don't put that out there. So, um, it's window shopping. Uh, that's, that's what a lot of people use it for guys and girls, uh, probably more guys, but, um, pictures, um, first, second, and third, that's what is, uh, is used. Okay, but I'm okay. There's more to it. You have to write a profile. You oh, have you to write words. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what did you, you know, go past quickly if you saw that they wrote? Was it like just they were too negative in the things that they said, or what was it that attracted you to like what they did say? Was it humor? Should you try and be? you know, clever and funny and whatever. I don't know. Don't, don't try to be anything. (laughs) Just be who you are. I, I tend to, 
uh, have a, a crack jokes a little bit more than you do, but you still do by by all means. Um, but if you try to be somebody you're not or come up with a, a preferred character that you're trying to play on your profile, it's going to come through sooner or later, and it's going to come back to, to bite you. So um, uh, just, just be true to who you are. Um, my... <laughs> My headline for match, which I thought a lot about, um, ended up being one where uh, it, it worked well for me because it did a couple of things. It filtered girls quickly on the picture topic, but it also filtered girls on the sense of humor topic. Uh, the headline was, um, if you don't look like your pictures, you're buying drinks until you do. I am shaking my head. So that is shaking my head. That is my sense of humor. Yeah. And it's also calling out the girls and they know who they are that put pictures up there from 20 years ago or ones that are doctored or photoshopped or whatever. And if the girl can't take a joke and get that sense of humor, they're not going to get me. Um, and also if they're putting pictures up there and they know again who they are, that uh, they're they're trying to do a little bit of smoke and mirrors, uh, you're going to get, you're going to get found out. So don't, how often so did that do happen? That. Uh, more like o- all the time, more often like you than you show up think. and you can't even recognize the person more, like more, that, of, more often than you'd think it was that bad. It, that bad. it, it was, it was pretty systemic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of people that don't want to do the online dating thing and they just want to meet people naturally where do you suggest people meet now? I mean, especially during a pandemic, it's like where where do you go? What do you? It's where do it's you a meet? whole other level of what to do. Where do you meet now? I'd say good luck. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's a tough one right now. Um, I mean, it's a tough one even not with the era that we're in at the moment. But um, do do the stuff that you love when when you're doing things that you love to do. Uh, you're going to be a better version of yourself and then that's what's going to be put out into the world. So, um, you know, you go um, do activities that you like and inherently you're going to cross paths with folk um, that, uh, you know, could be dating candidates. Uh, I've, I've always been a big fan of the circle of friends or the circle of friends of friends, uh, but then you sometimes get those friends that are overzealous and are trying to play matchmaker too hard. Um, so it's, uh, just put yourself out there. If you're not putting yourself out there in any, in, in any capacity, you're probably not going to get your, the, the result that you're looking for or hoping for. Okay. Um, I said that too. I said that, you know, kind of put it out there that, you know, talk to your friends or like really close family that would be, let them know that you're ready to kind of get back out there and maybe sure. maybe the floodgates will open up and they'll you'll have a bunch of people trying to set you up you know you never know but at the same time some people don't want to be that open and hey I'm ready to date and you get these different reactions you know as a widow because not everyone is excited about you getting back out there. So if you were to approach your friends, but you don't want to say, hey, I'm ready to date, how would you say it? Like what kind of verbiage or words, what would you, what could you say? Would you say something like, hey, I'm, I don't know, I'm just looking to connect with someone who also likes to play tennis. Do you know anybody? Or I don't know, how would you word it like that? 
in that in that scenario, just focus on the activity. You okay. don't have to focus on the what you're thinking might be the end result. Just focus on the activity. I want to go play tennis. And you know anybody that likes to play tennis or, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, you don't need to make the focus on you're ready to get back out there. Just that'll be a, that's a natural byproduct that doesn't need to be talked about in my opinion, just let it go. Um, and other people's opinion about that topic, it's not their place to have an opinion on that necessarily. Um, maybe in some corner cases, but, uh, generally, um, you know, when you're ready and if you're ready, you don't need to ask other people if, if they think it's okay that they think you're ready or not. Uh, just just go do stuff that makes you happy. Okay. I was also going to ask you about this because this is something that came up with me when I can't remember at what point this was, but I remember thinking to myself and I wasn't ready to even start dating, but the thought was going through my head like, who's going to want me? That was kind of woe is me. Like I'm I'm too old. And at this time I was like, I was like 37. Um, That's your internal EOR coming was, out. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I I have so much baggage and I have this that happened to me. And, you know, who's going to want me? Who's going to, I just, it was, it was just a way of thinking. And I, you know, I don't know if a lot of, a lot of other people think that way, but you went through your divorce. Did you feel anything similar to that? Like you felt like your life was over when that happened or is that just a girl thing? Well, I can say, I don't know if it's just a girl thing or not, but no, I did not in particular. Uh, My divorce, my story has uh, a lot of detail that we won't get into today, but it was one where I felt like 30, I think I was 37 or so when that happened. And, you know, it's natural to have some self doubt, but you know, focusing on the positive and who I was and what I had to offer rather than what I wasn't and what I couldn't offer um, was just a, a, a subconscious and conscious choice uh, in on my part and in life. I think I credit my parents to a lot of that for uh, the, the, the way they raised me and the way I was, um, the way my mind is wired. But it's it's natural to have self-doubt or to go negative a bit, just internalize that and compartmentalize it, then put it in a box and shove it in the corner. Um, focus on the <laughs> focus on the positive and, yeah. and do the stuff that you love. Yeah. Some widows had asked me, I've gotten some emails and some questions about when to bring up the really important subjects. I had somebody ask me and they they're they haven't even started dating yet, but you know, they're thinking like the really important subjects like money and you know, like I don't know what your plans are for like do you ever want to get married again or there's a lot of super heavy subjects and if there's kids involved, you know, I I don't know. I It made me laugh that you uh that you mentioned money is a heavy subject. Um, uh, just because I don't, I don't see it that way, but I know that lots of people do. Yeah, they um, do. I, you know, there's a, there, read the room, feel, see, know your audience, right? Like who's, who's the person in the other side of the relationship and you got to know yourself, but you got to know that person and, and bring it up when you think the time is right. Cause there is such a thing as too early. There is a, such a thing as too late, mm-hmm. but it's not black and white every time this is the advice and this is what you should go by. You just got to 
read the room, feel like understand yourself, where you're at in the relationship, who the other person is and figure out a way and a place to, to bring it up. I guess if, if, if there were a piece of advice on this and somebody was struggling with bringing up a topic along those lines, um, uh, sitting down and talking about it, um, and even prefacing it with saying, we need to talk. Um, personally, I would not love that. I would rather bring it up, um, out on a walk, um, throwing a ball at a playground, you know, wherever, whatever, do like doing something and having not the, the, the heavy air in the room, but that's not right for all people. Some people, um, uh, would, would want it the other way around. So, uh, uh, it goes back to know who you are and your partner is. And, um, I think the worst thing you could do is avoid it, actively avoiding it and oh, not God, yeah. bringing it up is going to be far more detrimental than uh, uh, any bringing it up potentially in the wrong context or the wrong scenario. I wouldn't say it's wrong. I'd say it's wrong if you don't bring something uh, important up, especially if you're thinking about it. Yeah. I think we had those important conversations fairly early, right? I, I Probably up, like I brought up January. if you wanted it kids was, yes. uh, because I knew I wanted kids. I didn't know if this life was going to afford me the opportunity to have um, my own kid, my kid, uh, from, from, from me as opposed to adoption or otherwise. Um, fortunately that did happen with us and Penelope is fantastic and I, I, I love her very much, but it was important <laughs> to me. So that's why I brought it up. And frankly, yeah. if it wasn't important to you and I brought it up and then things devolved and we went our separate ways, um, you know what? So be it. That's, I, I wouldn't have been doing myself, I would have been doing myself a disservice if it was important to me and I didn't address it or attempt to address it. Yeah, you guys, he brought it up the very first, our very first date. He he may he, have been too soon. <laughs> very first date, he was like, "Do you want kids?" And I said, "I would love to have another child. I would love that." And so, yeah, we agreed on that. Yep, and here she is. <laughs> okay, so we will get wrapped up. But, okay, so, babe, final piece of advice for a widow who wants to start dating. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, just do it. Nike, right? This is Nike. <laughs> Are we sponsored by Nike on this podcast? Just do it. All right. And then I also wanted to bring up, because I know um, you – would want to advise what is your favorite book in the world and you would tell people to read it everyone how many times have i brought this book up in conversation <laughs> with you in different capacities uh, it's a it's a fantastic book it's one that i'm very passionate about i've probably read in my life 40 plus years i've probably read 15 times um, and i get something different out of it each time but it's how to win friends and influence people it's a very popular book it's been out um, it's a book that is not a, a, a read front to back. It's a quick read, but it shouldn't be. It should be a read uh, a little bit, think about, um, uh, put into process or put into action, read some more. Um, but How to Win Friends and Influence People, the, the, the sediment there is not negative when people think influencing people. You're trying to manipulate them, and that has a negative connotation. Use it for the positive. You you want to influence people to do things with you, you know, for you when you want that, and you want them to be happy about it, and you. So I take some of the things out of that book and bring them into our relationship, and I sometimes don't think you even realize it, 
but inherently that book I use for good, not evil. Um, and uh, I would encourage everybody to uh, pick it up, read it a couple of times, and hopefully it does as much for you as it, it, as it did for me. All right. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for being here. First male guest. Do I get a badge? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, babe. All right. Thanks, all. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I want to thank everyone who wrote into me this week with your questions. Joanna, Stephanie, Donna, Marianne. There was a lot more of you guys, and I love hearing from you. So keep the questions coming, and I hope this is helping you guys. Email me at jen at widow180.com. And Doug and I had a lot of fun recording this week. I really love talking to him about this stuff because Doug knows people and he reads people really well. He's an excellent judge of character. And before I came into his life, he was doing a lot of the online dating thing. So that's why I was excited to get his opinion on this stuff. He did Match.com most of the time. And so I got to hear a lot of those really interesting dating stories. But he got really good at looking at people's profiles to see what works and what doesn't. And what pictures you post are extremely important. How much do you reveal about yourself? Or what do you choose to leave out um, intentionally? And how to not come across as too negative. Anyway, I was taking notes from him and some of the other widows that I talked to before about writing profiles for online dating sites. And I have come up with a checklist for writing an online dating profile that actually works. So you can download this checklist for what to put in your profile. If you're confused and you don't know where to start, you can find that checklist at www.widow180.ck.page forward slash profile dash checklist. That's a long one. I'll tell it to you again. It's www.widow180.ck.page forward slash profile dash checklist. And you can find that link in the show notes too. So if you're looking for a checklist on what needs to be in your profile, you can find it there. It's www.widow180.ck dot page forward slash profile dash checklist. Thanks for listening, you guys, and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Widow 180, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you're seeking daily inspiration and guidance, you can follow me on Facebook at Widow 180, the community, on YouTube at Widow 180, the channel, and on Instagram at Widow 180. If you're interested in more grief and widowhood resources, including our latest freebie, How to Get Your Life Back Together After Loss, a 10-step checklist. Head over to www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie.